Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer. With Dan Wetzel. They were out in the prison yard at like San Quentin going, man, that was dirty. <laughs> Pete Thamel. That is the perfect summation of Texas. Yeah. They're, we're soft and we're better than you. With SI's Pat Forty. I don't think it's out of the question that we end up with an almost, you know, Premier League and everyone else. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Still going transcontinental here. Pat and I are in uh, Japan. Pete is in uh, in uh, Massachusetts. So uh, we got that going for us. Surviving. But the news, you know, one thing I found walking around the streets of Tokyo is everyone hates Texas here, too. <laughs> a lot of horns down over here in the Kiyomachi <laughs> sector, let me tell you. There are horns down and all over Japan. <laughs> Everywhere you go. <laughs> Everything Texas touches dies. <laughs> Why can't but you they- just be like some other just depressed superpower, supposed superpower like Michigan, and just mind your own business and take your smacks upside the head (laughs) in peace and just go, oh, maybe next year. No, you got to blow up the entire sport, Texas. (laughs) Instead of just hiring the right coach and getting getting better. It's a heck of a thing, man. Really is. The thing we like most about this sport, or one of the things, is the uniqueness of all the different schools and conferences and all the chaos that comes with having 120 schools of all shapes and sizes uh, and ambitions trying to trying to do this. It's the absurdity. <laughs> what we hate about it is the postseason that it makes no sense and is boring. So what is Texas doing but trying to destroy the parts we like? <laughs> And now they're trying to destroy the thing we were supposedly getting better, the playoff. Pete, what is this deal? The playoff's in trouble because Texas can't get its together. (laughs) Before we go to the playoff, let's just go on Texas a little bit because I think you hit some points. First of all, the opening weekend, Texas is going to play Louisiana, a very good Louisiana team, a Louisiana team that should be ranked in the top 25, a Louisiana team that won in Ames to open last season. I Guess who I'm rooting for? Guess who I'm rooting for? No. Yes. So I had to know in Japan, are they wearing Billy Napier cutouts yet? To, oh, in, yeah. in, in, <laughs> <laughs> Rage occasions everywhere over here. Everywhere. They, 
They love the Raging Cajuns. All right, that's good. But that is what, like, the possibility of Louisiana going into Austin, barnstorming and coming out with a win is what I think makes college football wondrously ludicrous. All right, that is what makes it great. And so uh, before we dive in on the playoff and more, more realignment, like, how bad do we think Texas is going to be? Say they say they buy their way in, like Texas always does. Texas just throws money at problems. It doesn't actually try to solve them. It just tries to buy them. Say they try to buy the problem, and they are in the SEC in 2022. The Big 12 has made it very clear they're going to squeeze every nickel out of Texas and Oklahoma. That's what that ESPN letter really, really said. But how harsh of an adjustment, Pat, do you think it will be for Texas? Very hard. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it. I, unless they, you know, somehow catch a Manziel lightning in a bottle. But even then, okay, that was a temporary boost for uh, Texas A&M. Missouri had a temporary boost when they came in when Florida and Georgia and Tennessee all decided to suck. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, Texas ain't going to be able to count on that happening. So, you know, I mean, if you if you want to put it on paper, they've got a long way to go to catch up with Alabama, which is, of course, the gold standard. And then right behind that, Georgia and then LSU and Florida. Uh, you know, I I would think thinking just about where the program is now that they come in basically is like an Auburn level kind of, uh, you know, which is mid, mm. upper mid pack, maybe. And then mm. we'll see. Yeah, you Miss think State, worse than Miss that? State. Lower mm. than that? I would take lower on uh I would I would say higher than Mississippi State. Yeah. I would say they're in the Ole Miss territory right now. Now Ole yeah. Miss didn't actually have a good record last year. They just scored a lot of points and right. won Twitter. But <laughs> I uh I don't think you can if you look at the last decade, I don't really think you could put Auburn and uh in Texas in the same uh in, in the same sentence. You know, and remember Auburn is playing in the SEC West. Texas has been playing Baylor, Kansas State, and uh, Texas Tech, and losing to TCU consistently, losing to Oklahoma State consistently. So I uh, I, I really feel like they're going to struggle. I had asked a, a scout about this. I wrote a bit, little bit about this uh, last week on Yahoo. Uh, and the scout pointed out two areas where Texas really the last few years plus has struggled. Their offensive line has had a handful of decent individual players, but collectively they've been terrible. There's no other way to say it. Texas has not pushed anyone around. And they also haven't had dynamic playmakers. Like they had a little Jordan Humphrey. But if you think about the tailback position and the receiver positions, has there been a guy on Texas who has just scared the bejesus out of you? I don't I don't think so. I can't recall one in in a while. Brennan Eagles was a five-star, supposed to be that guy. He's never fed. They've had a lot of guys who were supposed to do that and were recruited to do that who haven't done it. And I think it speaks to the bigger picture, which the scout told me, which was Texas still has a country club reputation. And even when they were good under Mac Brown, their players had that reputation. So that's like, we're coasting, we're going to crush Texas Tech this week. We're, you know, and that all has to change. For Texas to get good, they have to get much better players, but they also need a complete overhaul of the culture. Tom Herman attempted to do it. It obviously didn't happen. So they're going to, you know, Sark has to start over, and Austin is a difficult place to do that. All the reasons Austin is great to go to are the reasons why Austin is a hard place to get a football team hardwired, week-to-week, locked in. Man, Texas is soft, says Pete Damon. I think that's yeah. what he said. <laughs> I think so. 
Pat, do you remember that time we were in a press box? I think it might have been Georgia, but I really don't remember. We sat with an NFL scout and he just ripped Texas. He was based in the state and he was an old, old kind of like, uh, he would not have been a Moneyball scout. Let's put it that way. He wasn't, he, <laughs> no. he wasn't wearing like Lululemon pants and horn rim glasses. He was like a good old boy scout. And he just sat there and bashed Texas and hated scouting players from Texas, and hated Mac Brown and thought the program. And I, I think that reputation is real. Um, you remember that day, Pat, right? Oh, I remember it very clearly. And it was at Georgia. And the funny thing was that following up on that, I, you know, I think this guy probably, I don't know, there's a Texas alum or whatever, you know, he didn't have, he had some, some affi affinity for the, for the school and the program, because after bashing the hell out of them, one of the two of us proposed them hiring Art Bryles. This was before we knew what kind of a nightmare Art Bryles was. And he was just like, we're not hiring the Baylor coach. So that goes <laughs> hand in hand. You know, that goes hand in hand with yes. it. It's like you, you still have this incredible sense of entitlement, even though you're no good. I want to make very clear that was before our brows became toxic. This was this was yes. a good 10 plus years ago, right? Like, oh, yeah. This was like 2013, 2012. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It all blends together after a while. But yes, I had forgotten that uh, that that part of it. And that's yeah, that is that is the perfect summation of Texas. Yeah, <laughs> They're, we're soft and we're better than you. Yeah, bad right. o bad o line play that won't hurt you in the SEC. Yeah, There's right. No, 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 you can open less rushers than that. Yeah, yeah. My one, my old Quinn took off so quickly. He's like, I'm gonna get crushed. <laughs> um, yeah, solve your own problems, Texas. Now you've got problems everywhere else. So, Pete, you had the story. Um, you know, you can see this rumbling because it it makes some sense. Like, what the heck is going on? We now have an 18 team or 16 team SEC coming. What is the big 12 uh how many automatic all sorts of stuff we had the playoff coming we were right on the verge of getting something that would have made texas's life amazingly better in the big 12 made their path to the playoff and relevancy and recruiting and money and everything that much easier but instead they're going this route and dragging oklahoma with them and i'm, I'm letting oklahoma off the hook a little but you know they're not they're not doing a whole lot better but i feel like if once texas was going I mean, what's oklahoma supposed to do you know, you can't can't just sit there and stay back at that point. Gene Smith at Ohio State, athletic director there, he called for a pause. I don't know whether there'll be a pause or not, but it seemed probable. If I'm the other conferences, though, I am pushing this thing through. I don't really I know you, uh, maybe not the Big Ten, but the other ones, I would do everything I possibly could to, to get this proposal through while there's still six automatic bids uh, into this into this event. Uh, that said, what what's the latest on the uh, on the status of the of the playoff? It's there's a bunch of fascinating aspects to this because of the different leverages that have that have rose. But I guess the most immediate news in the wake of the Texas Oklahoma situation was that all aggrieved parties at this impending SEC and ESPN domination and all the power and all the focus and attention going to the South, all of those aggrieved parties are now like, whoa, whoa, whoa. ESPN's just not walking away with this with this 12 team playoff. And the technicalities here are that the playoff goes through the 25 season. ESPN has the contract. The college football playoff is actually just a TV contract. And so ESPN has that contract, which gives them for the next per period of time exclusive negotiating rights. So technically, ESPN if they were to decide now in flipping 23, which was the earliest possible to go to a 12-team playoff, ESPN would have first dibs on that. So essentially, 
the thought is, at least contractually, if you are going to do this sooner than later, you have to solo go with ESPN. So it puts people in this interesting spot, right? Because there's all these leagues that need it. I mean, the Pac-12 needs it. The Big 12 needs it. The Certainly the group of fives all are lusting for it. But at the same time, that nobody, nobody wants to, first of all, nobody wants to not make the most money possible. So let's be very clear about that. And second, they certainly don't want ESPN after this uh, chess move that a lot of people in the business have viewed as destructive to, to walk away with it. Now, there is a way to split the middle here that after my story ran, I heard from some other folks. And that would be basically if the CFP played some hardball and they said, okay, ESPN, this is college football's postseason's moment to grow up and become an adult, right? Like they were, they were, they've had the pacifier from ESPN for a while. But if you look at all of the other major sports leagues, all the other billion dollar entities, their postseason is it has at least two TV ties to it, right? So if for the sake of growing the game, the thought is it's going to behoove the sport to put the postseason on two different networks, right? That's just that's just generally going to be good. Now, also, when you have multiple bidders, you make more money. So people are bringing all that up now. But like, there was an era of good feeling, and we had this good feeling on our podcast here after the twelve team was announced. It's like it's going to happen. It's going to happen in twenty three. It'll be on ESPN. So now there are just there's just been a collective like cramming of the brakes around the country. And Gene Smith said it out loud. I give him credit. I mean, Gene Smith's the most powerful guy in the Big Ten. Period. End of story. More, more so than, yes, exactly. So when, in, when Gene Smith says we're going to take a pause, there's, you know, they're not going to do that. But when Gene Smith or Kevin Warren speak, in some ways they're speaking for Fox too, right? And that's the undercurrent of a lot of this is Fox versus ESPN, which shouldn't be, which shouldn't go unnoticed. Those are the two tectonic plates that are going to shape the next generation of the sport. So anyway, I ramble enough, Pat, go ahead. No, I, I mean, the points are great because that is the, that's the game inside the game or the forces that, that are at work here. And, you know, I, I think this to me goes to how I think most of, you know, American business and culture works best is that when there's, when there is a plurality or a, a multiplicity of stakeholders and and people involved and the power is more dispersed as opposed to the, everything being consolidated in the hands of of one place or one group of people. And so I don't blame the Big 10 for pushing back or the Pac-12 for hitting the brakes and I don't I, I hope that they're joined by a lot of other people. I hope that the group of 5 conferences say wait a minute here. We don't want an SEC or one conference to become so incredibly powerful and to take one network with it and just, you know, become this imbalance that, that creates a, a something too big. You know, I think America has always been a little bit wary of, of what would almost Monopolies. be a mon Yes. Monopoly, <laughs> yeah. monarchy, whatever you want to call it here. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, if Gene Smith is, is talking, I'm a, I'm listening and B, I think he's making sense for the good of the sport. And again, this is, this is the age old problem here. Nobody looks out for the good of the sport. You know, the SEC is looking out for the SEC. The Big Ten is looking out for the Big Ten. The Pac-12 is looking out for the Pac-12. There's nobody in charge and there's nobody that says what's best for college football. It's all just what's best for my fiefdom. Yeah, I mean, it's absurd. They did Imagine for like 10 minutes, Pat. That was the playoff yeah. was. They did for yeah. like 10 minutes. And those 10 yeah. minutes have ended. <laughs> and then there were four people on the committee and one guy just absolutely shanked <laughs> the other one. <laughs> 
complete kneecapping. It was I like mean, a, what Greg Sankey did to Bob Bowlesby is like an all-time boardroom kneecapping. They were out in the prison yard at like San Quentin going, man, that was dirty. <laughs> One day these dudes are peeling potatoes together and the next day there's prison yard shanking. <laughs> man, that's tough. Andy got it better from the sisters at, uh, at, at Shawshank than this thing. <laughs> got, got smacked in the head. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. I, nobody nobody cares. I, I think this, too. Uh, the one thing ESPN is going to do its best for their business, as they should. And obviously, they're going to try to take the monopoly. I get it. Um, should this thing be on two networks? Like, is that what's holding it up? Of course, the only thing in this sport, yes, because we held things up because of a sunset over the Rose Bowl. So, <laughs> of course, because this is idiotic. The one thing ESPN does get a little little chapped about, though, is when everyone yells at them. Like, they, they, they have some thin skin. Like, they're not happy with this Big 12 thing. Yeah. Like, oh, we're not manipulating. No. Like, come on now. Like, if yeah. I, I don't know all the, I've not put everyone under the witness stand. I've not heard all yeah. the testimony. I'm taking the big, I think the big 12 might be right about this. Did anyone at ESPN say to the AAC, well, you know, boy, uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma, they would look pretty good in your league. You know I mean? Come on. Of course <laughs> sure. you did. Yeah. Why no. wouldn't you? They, Why wouldn't they, you? No, you are. They just got correct. called on it. I mean, you'd be surprised sometimes at the DMs you may get if you're criticism, criticism critical of ESPN from who who might all of a sudden chirp up and say uh, you're not being fair to our our poor little startup network in Connecticut. <laughs> well, the <laughs> college football could put a lot of heat. Like if all of them gang up and are like ESPN screwing this up, that's a lot of blowback. And we already have one conference doing it. And so if it, the stories come out and go, look, we can't have a playoff because ESPN won't won't share the ball here, even though the ball, the pie just got much bigger. Um, that is something that might be able to pressure them. But the idea that we might be stuck for X number more years of the 14 playoff when everyone's excited, like already two years, it's like, oh, I don't want to wait two years. Now I got to wait five. But that's the leverage, Dan. That's the genius of this play is they'll like, like keep eating. Yeah. Keep eating your breakfast roll, Pat. There's this great buffet down the road. It's got bacon. It's got omelets. When do I get to come it's home? It's great. But you know what? You're going to have to eat your breakfast roll for five more years in your box lunch in your Tokyo prison cell hotel room. All right? They like they, they like let you walk by the breakfast buffet every day. You could you could see all my the beer, different like, My fruits. beer vending machine that is do not work. That's what it says. Do not work. But the leverage is real. Like, ESPN's to say, okay, fine. Take your, take your, I know. enjoy your four-team system that our biggest business partner in this is continuing to dominate. And you can deal with your lack of access and the bad product. And we'll just smile and take our profits until it's, until it's over. And that leverage is real. And fans are going to be like, wait a minute. Because fans don't understand all the nuance of this. Like, if you polled college football fans, they all think the 12-team playoffs happening like now, right? Like that was just sort of how it was how it was rolled out, and maybe we we weren't skeptical enough, quite frankly, um, of uh, of it all. Um, looking uh, l- looking back, but it was like everybody wins, and then everyone's just I, look. We were giddy. We had pod- this is the giddiest we've ever been. This is a, not a giddy podcast. <laughs> we were actually not positive a about something. <laughs> yes, that we should have yes. known. They tricked yes. us. They tricked us. <laughs> we suck. 
we should just rip ourselves for a while. We, we he's like, play some old clips of us saying nice things about the playoffs so that we can just rip them. Because whatever this we said why. was naive and stupid. This is what I get from uh, these uh, the, the the DMs and the calls from the college sports leaders. You guys just sit there and throw rocks at us. You guys just pick on us. You guys just say we're terrible. Well, what the hell, man? We finally <laughs> see something nice, and what happens? Your most respected guy stabs the other one in the back. <laughs> Leaves him in an alley in Waco, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you used to making forty million a year. Now you're going to have to make twelve million a year. Have fun balancing that athletic department budget. Uh, left a here's one thing: in I, a back alley I, of Lubbock, some yeah. prairie coyote's going to come in yeah. and. <laughs> here's the most interesting part to me going forward. When you look at the Fox versus ESPN debate and where the billions come going forward. Is there going to be somebody else that jumps in here? If there's not, like, ooh, that is not going to be good. Now, there's been this long, looming notion of streaming is going to come in and streaming is going to save us. Well, streaming hasn't saved anybody yet. Now, they've dumped some money in the NFL, but do you really think Amazon wants to show the, you know, the Washington State Cal basketball game <laughs> at 10 o'clock on a, on a Sunday night? Like, they don't have the infrastructure to do that kind of stuff. Where does where does the Hail Mary come from? Now, it's come from other places before and NBC provided it. That's what made Larry Scott famous and looking like a visionary until he wasn't because NBC came in and then they were able to to use the, the Pac-12 deal that they're sputtering towards the end of now, which was visionary early on, was the first time that basically two networks were, were broadcast one conference and the money that that came in from the outside was NBC, which drove it up. But like NBC Sports Network is gone now, or if it's not gone, it's disappearing very soon. So now again, there's Peacock. Peacock's going to be a factor. Uh, Peacock and Notre Dame could really end up knocking it out of the park to some big kind of number because that's what streaming wants. They want seven games. Drop a truck in South Bend and forget about it. You know, pay one crew, forget about it. You know, that's all That's all they need. But is CBS? CBS doesn't seem particularly motivated to, to join the fray here. The Big Ten used to have a really good game on ABC every afternoon that and then the, the SEC was on CBS in that 330 spot. But there would be like a Iowa, Michigan game, you know, a game that would get big viewership and it was a real game. Well, that is going to be an SEC game now. And that the inventory creep and the window creep is something I think that's been underestimated in all this. If CBS doesn't broadcast a big time game at that point. It's just going to alter sort of some of the balances of the of the sport. I I want bidders. I want I want everybody to survive. I, people don't need waterfalls, but you know you don't want people losing their jobs because ESPN tried to tried to play chess here and and you know make some bold strokes. So I I hope there's an infusion of cash. I'm just a little skeptical where it comes from at this point. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about basketball later. That's I'm really worried about that. Just wanted one quick point that I wanted to make that's a little bit of an off ramp here, but. You know, in in discussing Bob Bowlesby's, you know, cold dead body in an alley in Waco, uh, <laughs> it, it did it did summon the 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 thought of like eleven months ago, I guess, or no, probably a year ago, when none other than Greg Sankey was leading the call, decrying the Big Ten not acting in brotherly concert with the other conferences in terms of a plan for the season. You know, we're in this together. We are in this together. A year later, he has almost killed an entire conference by himself. Well, maybe with the help from ESPN. And Texas. 
That is a tremendous point. Yeah. I mean, don't don't tell me this is functional. (laughs) The AFC is not like we're grabbing Green Bay and Chicago. Screw you, NFC. Like, no, it doesn't happen. It's not how it works. (laughs) It's just that this is not how any of it should work. What are you people doing? Let me say this about TV. Because I, I have, cannot speak for the motivations of all streaming. However, I have worked with streaming companies, including Netflix. What they care about. Oh, name drop. Name drop. <laughs> name drop. All they care I've about. I've never heard of that. Is that a niche streaming company? <laughs> little yeah, niche they... outfit. Little yeah. niche outfit. <laughs> to Pat, it actually is. <laughs> yeah, Pat. It's this thing. You pay. People watch. They care about massive shows. They want 50 million people to binge a show when you're down below that, like, I mean, you can get, you could probably be a success there and below, but not much. They want huge. And if it's not huge, it's not a success. So the Washington state USC volleyball game is not going on Netflix. Anyone who's talking that they're going to do this. No. Would they sit there and say, huh? So if we take the college football playoff, could we add X number of, and we'd get a lot of off, they also want off uh, air buzz yeah. of everyone talking, right? Like, was the big show this lately, like that Ted Lasso? Everyone's talking, hey, Ted Lasso, right? That, that's what drags <laughs> the biggest show in the history of Netflix. Uh, I mean, other than the Aaron Hernandez doc, of course, was Making a Murderer. Making a Murderer and, the, and then the uh, Tiger King during quarantine. Those were huge because everyone was talking about that. And it's like, all right, I'll sign up, right? Even Pat might have, you know, I don't know, probably not. But, they're not, there's no interest in a regular season college football game. Could a Notre Dame thing or something, maybe on a Peacock or but like the idea that Amazon Prime and Netflix, like Amazon, those are looking at the NFL and going, all right, they get huge numbers. They, you know, NFL playoff games get 30 million people. College football title game gets 20, if that. Um, so I, I'm with you, Pete. There is this, this idea that the, you know, the knight in shining armor is going to ride in and and it's all these streaming services begging for the for the Iowa Michigan State game on some Saturday afternoon. I don't see it. <laughs> I, but the only surprise after that, Dan, was you didn't try to plug Epic Athletes, uh, the new Can Kevin Durant book you have out. So um, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Had- buy your Epic Athletes because I ain't making any more money on Aaron Hernandez. That's all Netflix's money. So. I actually had a TV executive say to me uh, this week when I was calling around about stuff, streaming wants Ted Lasso. Like, that's exactly what they want. They actually said what Dan just basically said, that they they want, you know, they want the big, you know, they 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 want the home runs. They don't want the uh, they don't want the singles. And I think this is instructive to where college athletics is going, because everyone's like Super League, Super League, Super League. The reality is getting bigger unless it's a strike like the sec made doesn't make a whole lot of sense like west virginia going the acc right now doesn't make a whole lot of sense the real things to watch for the next reverberation of realignment are the alphas in in these leagues all right you got to watch usc you got to watch ohio state clemson even florida state as they slowly come back i feel like from making calls last week a lot of the attention around college athletics was are our alphas happy are our big boys happy? Let's keep our big boys happy because they control the fate of the leagues. Like it's very, it's very simple. Uh, and you can distill it to this. I mean, 
They used to say Texas and Oklahoma played a one-game season every year, right? That's how they would, like, people would negative recruit against them. Like, TV executives want a series of events. The Texas-Oklahoma game is a huge part of why the SEC did this, because that is an event. That is an event that links two states, millions of people, and has 100 years of tradition. And those are the kinds of events that you can't replicate. You know, like, it will take Texas and Florida you know, or whoever, um, you know, dozens of years. And you, and you recreate the Texas-Texas A&M game, and the first time they play, that is going to be a crazy event, a crazy event. So that's what you have to think about. It's not like a hodgepodge. Nobody wants the Oregon State, Washington State uh, periphery stuff. It is big names and big brands, and those those are the people you almost need to be well, looking yeah, at that- those schools for moves more so than conferences for moves. Especially because when you One look more at more on right. the TV, they also want binge and sports doesn't binge. So the one thing that sports is value to cable TV and regular TV is it's appointment viewing. It gets people to tune in, but you, you can't just get the Ted Lasso and then sit there and watch the whole season, even though it's already run six months before or whatever it's been. Right. That's how you do it. There's no binging live sports unless you're, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Like we said, Texas fans are still watching the 2006 Rose Bowl. But other than that, so so that's the risk is you now have to build an audience for one moment. That's not Netflix, Amazon Prime. That's not their business. They don't know how to do that because they have no pro. Their promo can come in. They can only promo really on their screen, which is huge, their front screen. But that's a very valuable piece of promotion. ESPN can ram this up for weeks and all day sports center live from the boardwalk and all this stuff to try to get we're going to put it on eight channels we're going to bring in coaches rooms we're gonna do everything that's just not the business of streaming streaming is like we got a hit show i'll buy it and then i'm going to watch it all in one day yeah no i, I mean the point i was going to make uh was related to what pete was saying is is when when there is an upheaval this seismic and you have Texas and Oklahoma leave behind eight other schools and and just flat out declare we are more important than you. It certainly triggers the same thought process, at least in every other conference. And you can look at some of these leagues that have been together for decades, one at least the Big Ten for more than a century. And it's a chance to look and say, yeah, why do we have them again? You know, why why do we have Oregon State and Washington State? Why do we have Wake Forest? Why do we have Purdue, you know, I mean, the, 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 if you are one of the non-alphas, you should be really nervous right now. Uh, if you are one of the alphas, you certainly have a chance to to flex your muscles even more. And as Pete said, yeah, I, like if you're the conference commissioner, hey, you've got a big job on your hands trying to keep your thing together because, you know, that while we could end up with four 16-team mega leagues, I don't think it's out of the question that we end up with an almost, you know, Premier League and everyone else. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't come to that. And I think from a scheduling standpoint, people with teams, the, the alphas would, might be a little bit scared of that because they still want to win. And if you go into a league where everyone else is, you know, spending $170 million a year and is really good, that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I think that there's the, 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 the imbalance factor within – college football could become even more pronounced depending where this thing goes. Now, we all often snicker at the academic tie 
to college athletics, right? You know what I mean? Like we, we, we've often mocked that notion because that is, that is part of college athletics. The one place where we still see the academic tie, and this will be like the, the latest litmus test for the future. The reality is TV executives want these leagues to get smaller. They don't want them to get bigger. Right. They want to kick the dead weight with the bad ratings and they want to match up big brands. And so at what moment does a league get together in a group of presidents? Because remember, presidents push the button on this and presidents are sensitive and would never play off for years because it was in Gordon Gee's cold, dead hands, right? Um, and when does a president say, you know what? Pitt ain't adding a whole lot of value in this ACC. Or, um, you know, Indiana football, Purdue, that, we don't really need them. And one of the rallying cries of the last round of realignment and the last round of these billion-dollar TV deals was, everyone is equal, everyone is equal. I could really see the next iteration, everybody not being equal. Because let's face it, the ratings and the money shows that USC shouldn't make the same amount of money as Arizona. They should make way more, way more money than Utah and Colorado. And so does now that doesn't create for a happy league dynamic. But you know, it's a worse league dynamic when Washington <laughs> State, Oregon State, and Utah are in like some version of the Mountain West, some like exactly. shotgun bandit right. league. So <laughs> it's it's really interesting. This is really the leverage has always been with the big brands, but I, now, you know, they used to have, they used to have a mallet. Now they have like a bazooka. <laughs> I mentioned on the last one though, you know, that big 10 academic Alliance, $10 billion a year uh, in combined research funding and things like that. And that's to, to say how big of a deal that is. The university of Chicago is still like a collaborator on that. <laughs> they're still, they're still involved. The university of Chicago has not been on big 10 football since or whatever, like 19, like the thirties. Yeah. Yeah, right. They're still sort of involved in it. Yeah. So, and and I think they were a full member for a long time. So there's a whole different aspect there in the Big Ten. But some of these ones that are put together for a TV rate, yeah, absolutely. Pete, uh, Big Big Twelve, uh, dust is settled. Uh, we have seen you know public pronouncements that we're sticking together. Everything's calm. No need to panic. <laughs> All good. And then we see Kansas tweeting out. <laughs> <laughs> that it has a great airport. Yeah. <laughs> Kansas tweeting out its LinkedIn profile. I mean, Kansas like texting to the Big Ten, hey, you up? Yeah. <laughs> so Kansas, you know, yeah, we're all in it, but they're just randomly putting this on Twitter. Like, is this the way you're going to attract? Like, this is, sometimes I drive down the highway and there's like billboards for something. You're like, really? Is that like the most effective means of marketing? They put out a tweet. Lawrence and Kansas City. So don't don't think we're so small. Extremely fast growing area with over 2.5 million people living and working in Lawrence KC area. Almost all of them in KC. Many of them Missouri fans or Kansas City Chief fans, but that's all right. That's all right. Top end businesses with over 100 companies who employ 1,000 or more employees in various sectors such as technology, Financial services. I mean, of course, right? <laughs> Financial services. Like every town, we have nobody who invests in the stock market here. Uh, Manufacturing. Transportation. That could be like a couple cabbies. Uh, what, what do they got? Like the Lawrence City bus system is their transportation? 
This There's makes healthcare. the hooray for AIM song look like genius marketing. This is marketing. pathetic. Really healthcare. <laughs> we, yes, we have a hospital. <laughs> yeah. We have a hospital. Engineering and architecture. I mean, these are basic things. Just basically, every town has this thing. It's like we have in a the bus AIM, station. It's the AIM song where they go, hey, you hungry? There's a place on Maine. Like, yeah. oh, really? You got a restaurant? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. A restaurant on Main Street. What a thought. And, okay, so they go that. Then they go new <laughs> new airport terminal coming in 2023. Now, yeah. the airport at Kansas City, it, uh, all due respect, it does suck. That airport does suck. Uh, they could use a new, yeah, terrible yeah, it's airport. In, it's in Nebraska. Like, it takes you an hour to get into town. Well, it's it's, it's, it's really not Lawrence's airport, all right? I mean, it's no, a hike yeah. to get from the Kansas City airport also, to Lawrence. I don't know. They put that airport out there because they thought the city would grow to it. So I don't know about this fast growing because that airport's been there a while. Is <laughs> it not there? And then great place to live. Just you know, always yeah, sure. Uh, tech hub, art everywhere, incredible art. food. I think a good barbecue. Um, art everywhere. Multiple, that's very specific. Multiple winning sports teams. Just not our football team, but <laughs> like the Chiefs. So it's just to be like, we got Patrick Mahomes over here. That's the whole, I think the entire economy of Kansas City now revolves around Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> who didn't go to Kansas. I mean, what is the point of this tweet? Do they think like, do they think the Big Ten's just sitting around looking, scanning through Twitter going, oh, what they got a new airport? New airport terminals coming. That's it. That's, <laughs> well, what is this? I mean, <laughs> Kansas, I'm, you guys get mad at me because I pick on you too much. Stop doing this. Yeah. When was the <laughs> last time Kansas made a, to... When was the last time Kansas made a good PR decision? That's the problem. I mean, it's like these are the same geniuses that came up with, you know, the Snoop Dogg Midnight Madness and suing Jim Gatto and yeah. paying the kid to go away. and trying to out your own football coach with NCAA violations. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, they 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 can't help but screw up. And this, this, I mean, just like they, they, they just flew up an airplane banner over their entire city that just says, we're desperate as hell. Somebody come get us. <laughs> this is the worst online dating profile. <laughs> like there are people uglier than me, probably. <laughs> great airport. New airport. Doesn't even say it's great. <laughs> New Couldn't airport an hour and 20 minutes away from Kansas. <laughs> Kansas State's like, we got the same airport, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure do. Even further. Uh, uh, we have, we I have do, a hospital. I hope this does start a trend, though. I'm afraid everybody's just laughing at Kansas, probably rightfully, but it would be fun to see every school kind of like pump up their own specious <laughs> uh, resume of what they, they could offer, say, the Big Ten or some other power conference. Yeah. P poor Lance Leipold. He like wins six <laughs> division three national titles, grinds his way up, you know, does well in the Mac. And he's you know probably mid fifties at this point. He gets his shot at the big time and he shows up in Kansas. The league gets cannibalized in his own school. It's just flailing in the wind. And he takes over a program that went, Oh, and nine, three and nine, three and nine, one and 11, <laughs> two and 10, Oh, and 12. I could keep going, but that's Charlie Weiss. They hired Charlie Weiss. Like <laughs> think about that for a minute. They Are they, they still paying him too? They they went out and hired two 
coaches that other places had rightfully fired and gotten better than, you know, I mean, Charlie Weiss and Les Miles, it's like both of them, like you did what? Yeah. It's not like, like New Mexico grabbing like Bob Davey and getting yeah, like right. respectable, right? Like, or something like that. Like one of these kind of on the bounce guys. Yeah. 2.5 million people. It's like, yeah. It's like it's like if UMass put one out, we're like, you know how many football fans we got in Massachusetts? <laughs> yeah, they're all Patriot fans, not your team. Two point five million people, fifty six, sixty percent of whom probably root for Missouri. But yeah, yeah or all, not all any team, school, or don't root. Yeah, all of them root yeah, for the Chiefs. Like, yeah, they love football. They spend all their money on Sunday. All Kansas football wants, like all the athletic department in Kansas wants from Kansas football, is to not embarrass it, right? Like, it just is aspirationally six and six. It doesn't want to overspend. Like, all they want to do is, like, be like, don't embarrass us. Yet, they keep embarrassing themselves, <laughs> like, in outlandish ways that top each other over and over and over. So, good luck, Lance. Lance, a good I, coach, but they've got a long way to go. I feel bad I mean, for all these. Pit. Yeah. I feel bad for all these Big 12 teams because literally, like, they're sitting around going, we got to try. I mean, this is an act of desperation. Yeah. And uh, if you think and, that, I, I mean, like, that's what I've said. I mean, look how hard Iowa State has tried to be good, you know? And now all of a sudden, yeah, this, this is what's like, yeah, what do you get for it? Yeah. Yeah. Texas can Stop. still just say, you're in, we're, we're leaving and you're in trouble. It, it was always going to be hard for Matt Campbell to leave there. He's had a m- bunch of opportunities to leave there. But like now, they're, they're chasing him away. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. The Iowa State TV income is going to go from 35 million plus, close to 40 million by the end of this Big 12 contract to something in the neighborhood of under 15 million. And that's just like, you can't, like, I just, like, people are losing their jobs, livelihood. Like, that is just like, you, how do you find $25 million? Right. You barely you afford a 30 pack of Bush Light with that kind of money. I mean, <laughs> we should try yeah, to make a I worse just, resume I, out there than Kansas's for any school. We should, that, that would be a good segment. <laughs> Who who could who could beat um, the airport line? Yeah, that you know what? That's a great idea. We could do. We, we can work on that. <laughs> the airport. I'm like, I'll take the Washington State. Resume. Yeah, Pullman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, oh we don't need that. <laughs> that would just be mean. All right, maybe we'll work on that for the next. Texas time. Tech, like the 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 world's biggest uh, prairie dog population. <laughs> <laughs> Their big thing in in the Lubbock. The LBB is to go go see the uh, the Buddy Holly statue. Oh like, yeah, right. yeah, where he crashed and died. Right, <laughs> that's morbid. Really the most exciting. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like that's it. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's like that's really not that. First off, like Buddy Holly. I mean, it's not, it's not how Little. relevant is Buddy Holly anymore. I mean, he was. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty old. I'm getting old, and he was like before my time. Like, how many people are out there being like, "Oh, I love that buddy Ollie, man!" At all his forty fives, forty five. Me and Mary Sue used to square dance the buddy. I don't even know what a buddy Ollie song is. Man, we got that buddy Ollie statue downtown where he died. Oh, great! Thanks. Dan is punchy today. You can tell that Tokyo hotel room walls are closing in on (laughs) The sobriety train is not treating me well. (laughs) Dan's just going to get to the airport bars in Detroit and belly up. (laughs) He's like, I can wait a few hours to see my family. You thought we worked the cart cart people on the plane here. Where do you see me going home? It's going to be a, it's going to be a, it's going to be like that flight in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I'm just going to be all by, they're going to have to strap me in at the end. (laughs) <laughs> so here's something that 
has really been interesting to me in the past, really in the past 10 days since Oklahoma, Texas news broke. Basketball has not come up at all. Like I haven't seen a basketball coach quoted about it. I'm sure they have been and I'm sure it's happened, but there has been zero talk of basketball at all. Um, even Kansas's little, uh, Hey, you up tweet did, didn't expound upon Allen Fieldhouse. Baylor won the national title last year and could be, is one of the five favorites to do it again this year. I really think there's an existential question to what happens to college basketball. If the NCAA relinquishes its relevancy, which appears to be happening. So if there is some kind of breakaway, and look, everybody's rooting for the NCAA to die, right? Everyone's like, oh, the NCAA's the bad guy. Oh, the NCAA's the bad guy. I mean, nobody likes dealing with, like, their expense department at their company, but they, somebody still needs to run the expenses, right? Like, somebody still needs to, like, take, 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 take your receipts and do your reimbursements. You may not like them, but at the end but of the day, need- there is still – there's some functional value to, to the NCAA, and the NCAA's best value is that they run a gangbusters, wildly popular – century old, I guess it's not a century old, but it's close to a century old, probably 70 year old basketball tournament. That is one of the best events in American sport. And if the NCAA starts to recede in relevancy, Mark Emmert came out and said that there was going to be a review of the NCAA constitution. And they're calling a conference to have a conference, to have a panel, to discuss putting together a panel, to make a decision. Just like they are on name, image, and likeness. Oh wait, Condi Rice, never made get one. Condi. Where's Condi? Yeah, get yeah, Condi. Is there is there someone else available? Um, Val yeah, Ackerman and Condi Rice do Val all. Val Ackerman, Condi Rice, Gene Smith. We got a committee. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> a committee to make no relevant decisions. All right, here we go. So, but is the NCAA tournament in peril if the NCAA's relevancy recedes? If there is this breakaway. Here's the the fundamental question I have to ask, I guess. So the SEC is setting itself to to make its own rules eventually. Like when you talk to administrators, higher-ups, they feel like part of Sankey's move here is an NCAA governance move. It's no secret Greg Sankey dislikes the NCAA. Greg Sankey's a very calculating guy. Pat, you got that leaked letter that you wrote uh, about their his displeasure with enforcement about a year ago. Is that right? Or Acquired, what, you, not you, leaked. Acquired. Co- Sorry, sorry. Acquired letter. Yes, yes. Uh, the carrier pigeon that dropped it in your mailbox in Louisville. So like, there are all these signs that people are ready to make their own rules. And will college athletics look at the NCAA tournament as something that they could replace with a Power Five tournament, with a breakaway tournament, with a you know Premier League? Like, would the NCAA tournament be any good if it was just Oregon playing? Florida, um, would the would college sports leaders dare to have an NCAA term without Cinderella? Because I think that's at least a conversation right now. The way everything's going, if you push the NCAA completely out of the way, you risk the tournament. Now the tournament has a contract, as a very long contract, a terrible contract, rivals the ACC's card television deal for the worst one, not only in college sports but the worst one on like the American sporting landscape. The NCAA tournament television deal is terrible. Maybe that's a reason to break it. But would, would America care as much if there's a tournament without Cinderella? Well, uh, two things there. First off, I, I think it's worth at least noting that there was this NCAA constitutional convention, I think they referred to it as, coming in November, where the, you know, the presidents called this, this, this thing. And the reaction that I have seen now, I, I am in Japan and I have been immersed in the Olympics, but the reaction I have seen is just like, oh, okay, tell us when you do something. Because that's how <laughs> ineffective 
the NCAA has become. It's just like nobody even expects anything to come from them. You know, like you can call all the constitutional conventions you want. Nothing ever substantively happens. So uh, that's the skepticism there and part of the problem here. But then now to your to your other point about the tournament, I mean, I'm terrified because I think losing the NCAA tournament would be a huge loss in the American athletic uh, pantheon, if you will, you know, losing the tournament as we know it. I detest the idea of having what would basically be, you know, all the top power five schools plus every team that's a bland seven to ten seed, you know, from the power five leagues all playing each other in some tournament and there's no, you know, Monmouth that coming out of a, a league and there's no... No, Oral, Oral Roberts, you know, making a run. Abilene or, Christian. Abilene Florida Christian. Florida Gulf Coast. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the, there's you lose so much if you lose that. So I, I am very concerned because as Pete said, I mean, and this was the case in 2011 when realignment happened the first time, there was no regard for basketball whatsoever. The ratings for that NCAA basketball tournament will be dreadful. Horrible. As bad as the regular season is. Yeah. Well, you know why? Because why? Yeah, because you it's don't simple. bring in the, the common same thing. No one's watching now. No right, one's watching right. the regular season now. They so don't you're just care. Replicating something yeah. that is wildly unpopular and not watched. It is a super niche. All right. And we the, have we have an audience that wants to see Baylor match up against Michigan in basketball, but that number is small. The way you get the the NCAA basketball tournament is the perfectly constructed postseason. The first weekend draws in all of these ca casual fans. When you're 11 years old, you get hooked on the concept that some small school can beat the big school. Everyone gets into it. It's easy to gamble on. It's easy to bracket. You can have office pools, all this stuff. That, and then your first weekend builds it. The second weekend sorts it out. And generally at the end, you end up with Kentucky and Duke playing each other or something like that. And you figure out who the actual champion is. It's a tremendous event. You take out that first weekend, it's like, I don't care. I don't care if Baylor's better than Gonzaga. I don't care if Gonzaga's better than Baylor. I'm kind of invested because I've been watching. That's it. And you, it'd be the dumbest thing ever. But, you know, would, would they kill the NC basketball tournament? I know, Probably. I, I mean, hey. do we have any faith in any of these people to do anything better than I can make one more nickel? Exactly. No. And their own nickel. And that's why, like, their there's nickel. no regard for the overall good of the enterprise. And so, sure, they, I, I, I could see them absolutely doing that. And, yes, producing basically just a, another slate of February games. And, a, 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 you know, the NCAA tournament, as described by Dan, is a perfect mechanism. They, they if in all of college athletics, and they have screwed up so much, but they have not screwed that up, where you have – the broad populist appeal and you have the little guys against the big guys and then you sort it out and then it gets progressively more high level basketball and big time players and big time programs as you go along. But if you lose that entry level uh, weekend in terms of just appeal, then I think you kill the whole thing. So here's my charge for Mark Emmert. All right. His tenure has been an abject failure. We've gone over it on the pod many times. When they sit in their strategy meetings and talk about their constitutional convention and whatever, there should just be one thing on the whiteboard. Don't screw up the tournament. And every decision they make should be geared towards protecting the tournament. Because the tournament goes, it's not going to be under the NCAA umbrella. They're going to lose billions of dollars. And they have this terrible contract until 
juice. It's in the late 2020s. It might even be in the 2030s. Uh, I wrote about it in, in March. And it's 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 a three billion dollar under market deal, but it's all the NCA has going for it right now. Dan Gabbett runs the NCA tournament. He's by far and away the most respected NCA employee. It's not even close. So I know the NCA's chief strategist just left. What was the guy's name, Pat? The lawyer who lost all the cases and set the worst legal strategy in Remy? America. Remy? Yeah, Donald Remy. So Donald Remy's gone. So I'm going to give some free legal advice to Mark Emmert, who has gotten the worst legal advice of any major American sports leader. Don't screw up the tournament. It's the one thing the NCA has not been able to screw up in a history of screwing a lot of things up. And if they do, don't put it past these overlords. And remember, ESPN has no hand in the NCAA tournament. And that is a big factor in this, right? Yeah. That yeah. is the one big college sports property that they're completely boxed out of right now. Don't let the power, don't let football dictate what your tournament looks like. Because it is going to be a whole lot of bland, just like your regular season. It's going to be bad. All right, let's get to this. I, a, a very few stories have given me joy like this, and I need some. <laughs> Stuck in a hundred foot Japanese hotel room, sober, <laughs> while college football is getting destroyed back, and I'm writing about a bunch of sports that I have to pretend I care about. <laughs> I put what this was on your tweet Twitter, today, Dan. Yeah. Uh, there's Sports America. It's good at. There's two, there's there's no two sports in a, the Olympics. This is true for every country. There's two sports, the Olympics, the sports that your country is good at and the dumb ones. <laughs> People sit around and they're like, why would you do that? And then you watch and there's like, you know, a thousand Hungarian media like <laughs> hanging on their words. Like, I guess it's popular in Hungary. I don't know. All right. The modern pentathlon. That's one of my favorites. Oh, you got to ride fantastic. a horse. You yeah. got to shoot with a laser gun. You've got to like that thing. It's like badass, got to swim. From what I, I have heard that like America is so bad at modern pentathlon, or at least the talent pool is so small, they're like going out and recruiting people. Like just say, hey, if you're a pretty good college athlete and you can ride a horse, we'll take you. It's it's supposed to be, it's an old uh, event. It's built from like right. the soldiers. It's yeah. like basically like a Navy SEAL, mm -hmm. but when they had horses. So you ride a horse, you shoot a gun, you swim, you run, and you do, and, you, and then uh, you fence. Yeah, right. And the yeah. way they do the fencing in modern pentathlon, here I am describing a dumb sport. But there they are. Unlike where you have a match, like you do the fence and, and you stick the other guy or whatever you do in fencing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the match is over and you leave. They bring another dude in right away. Really? Yeah, it's like the movies where you got to like slash one guy and then another guy comes out. You slash that guy. You got to keep fighting. <laughs> We're definitely the worst modern pentathlon podcast on the internet. I think, at least, I think that's how it works. I don't know. We might Whatever. be the best. We might be the best. <laughs> I just increase the their viewership. <laughs> at least one person listening to the pod would be like, "Really? I kind of want to watch that." <laughs> yeah, it's like a sword fight. All right, all right. A British wildlife sanctuary. You know, we're big on going to the zoo. Oh yeah, big going to the zoo. Uh, and we're worried about the animal attacks. This is not an animal attack. This is a comedy show. A British wildlife sanctuary has been forced to separate five parrots. Uh, they had five. They had a. They have a pack of parrots. They have two hundred African gray parrots. Uh, five of them in the pack had to be moved uh, from the main outdoor aviary because they wouldn't stop swearing at visitors. <laughs> the five parrots 
learn how to cuss. <laughs> and we're throwing it at the people walking by with their little kids in the stroller. The Paris names, we have names. We have actual perpetrators. I think, you know, this is innocent until proven guilty. Free the Paris. Whatever. Yeah. What do what we know? Are the, what are the names of the perps? Billy, Eric, Tyson, Jade, and Elsie. Mm. So that's maybe some women in there. I like a woman sure. that can swear. That's always oh, yeah. appealed to yeah. me. Uh, they recently joined the uh, Lincolnshire Wildlife. Uh, they were put in quarantine together and quickly overheard the staff with their naughty language. So these five were together when they joined and uh, they heard some staff members swearing. So we are quite used to parrots swearing, but we never had five at the same time, the center's chief executive, Steve Nichols, told the AP. Most parrots clam up outside, but for some reason, these five relish it. Okay? <laughs> I love it. Okay? Subversive so, and parrots. The problem was they were egging each other on to swear more. <laughs> when a quote, that one of the great like quotes. some classic British tabloid uh, license there. <laughs> this is the Associated egging Press, man. Egging each other on. The finest news gathering operation on earth. Yeah. When a parent tells you to F off, this is a quote, it amuses people very highly. It brought a big <laughs> it brought a big smile to a really hard year. However, uh, they wanted to keep them away from the uh the children, not to ruffle feathers. Of course the AP's gotta throw that in there. So the issue is these five would get out there and they would encourage each other to keep cursing at all the people coming by. <laughs> And now they're in the sin bin and they've been separated and put in different areas of the wildlife sanctuary <laughs> to the corner. <laughs> Penalty box we need to for free Billy. the parrots. We, we need do. to start freeing the parrots. We Free need Billy, Eric, we need a movement. Tyson. We need we need them out cursing like sailors. Come on, Jade. <laughs> you only do Let two Billy days. Cuss. The day you go in, Let Billy the day you get out. Mates. <laughs> All right, that's our show. At least we got that in. We'll be back on the ruins of college athletics later this week. This will be my last podcast from Japan. No, you're all going to miss it. Uh, talk to you all then. Please subscribe to our show. We got a lot of new listeners. Yeah, business is Probably up. put this at the beginning. Please subscribe and uh, share us on social media and tell your friends about us and... Uh, Tell us uh, the next time an animal does something ridiculous. Yes. Keep sending your swearing parrot, British parrots. Certainly appreciate it. We will talk to you soon.